Dear listeners, are you tired of the endless cycle of fad diets and extreme measures? It's time to wake up to a better weight loss solution with Robody. As someone who's been through the ups and downs of weight loss, I know firsthand the challenge of trying to find what will stick. That's why if I qualified for Robody today, I jump at the chance for a scientifically backed program that supports long-term success. With Robody, you'll gain access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, paired with personalized lifestyle changes. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight. Say goodbye to the roller coaster of weight loss dreams and hello to sustainable, real results with Robody. Go to roco snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash snoozecast. on snoozecast.com and follow us on Instagram at snoozecast where you'll find behind the scenes content. If you enjoy our show, please write a review on the podcast app. Also, share us with a friend. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters and by Threads of Silver and Gold. Tonight, we'll read The Opal, a fairy tale about how the gemstone was formed. Depending on the conditions in which it formed, precious opal may be iridescent, with white, black, or nearly any color of the visual spectrum as a background color. Black opal is considered to be the rarest, whereas white, gray, and green are the most common. Opal was rare and very valuable in antiquity. In Europe, it was a gem prized by royalty. Until the opening of vast deposits in Australia in the 19th century, the only known source was beyond the Roman frontier in Slovakia. Following the publication of Sir Walter Scott's Anne of Geierstein in 1829, Opal acquired a less auspicious reputation. Due to the popularity of Scott's novel, people began to associate Opals with bad luck. Opal was also said to grant invisibility if wrapped in a fresh bay leaf and held in the hand, and thus it was considered the gemstone of thieves.
Let's get cozy. Close your eyes. Relax your body into the softness of your bed. Now, take a few deep breaths. The story of the opal. The sun was shining brightly one day, and a little sunbeam slid down his long golden ladder and crept unperceived under the leaves of a large tree. All the sunbeams are in reality tiny sun fairies who run down to earth on golden ladders which look to mortals like rays of the sun. When they see a cloud coming, they climb their ladders in an instant, draw them up into the sun. The sun is ruled by a mighty fairy who every morning tells his tiny servants, the beams, where they are to shine, and every evening counts them on their return to see he has the right number. It is not known, but the sun and moon are enemies, and that is why they never shine at the same time. The fairy of the moon is a woman, and all her beams are tiny women who come down on the loveliest little ladders, like threads of silver. No one knows why the sun and moon quarreled. Once, they were very good friends, but now, they are bitter enemies. And the sunbeams and moonbeams may not play together. One day, a little sunbeam crept into a tree and sat down near a bullfinch's nest and watched the bullfinch and its mate. Why should I not have a mate also? He said to himself. He was the prettiest little fellow you could imagine. His hair was bright gold and he sat still, leaning one arm on his tiny ladder and listening to the chatter of the birds. But I shall try to keep awake tonight to see her, said a young bullfinch. Nonsense, said its mother. You shall do no such thing. But the nightingale says she is so very lovely, said a wren, looking out from her little nest in a hedge close by. The nightingale, 
said the old bullfinch scornfully. Everyone knows that the nightingale was moonstruck long ago. Who can trust a word he says? Nevertheless, I should like to see her, said the wren. I have seen her, and the nightingale is right, said a wood dove in its soft, cooing tones. I was awake last night and saw her. She's more lovely than anything that ever came here before. Of whom were you talking? Asked the sunbeam. And he shot across to the bullfinch's nest. All the birds were silent when they saw him. At last, the bullfinch said, Only of a moonbeam, your highness. No one your highness would care about. For the bullfinch remembered the quarrel between the sun and the moon and did not like to say much. What is she like? asked the sunbeam. I've never seen a moonbeam. I have seen her and she is as beautiful as an angel, said the wood dove. But you should ask the nightingale. He knows more about her than anyone, for he always comes out to sing to her. Where is the nightingale? asked the sunbeam. He's resting now, said the wren. Will not say a word, but later, as the sun begins to set, he'll come out and tell you. At the time when all decent birds are going to roost, grumbled the bullfinch. I will wait till the nightingale comes, said the sunbeam. So all day long, He's shown about the tree. As the sun moved slowly down, his ladder dropped lower and lower with it, for it was fastened to the sun at one end. And if he had allowed the sun to disappear before he had run it back, and drawn it up, the ladder would have broken against the earth, and the poor little sunbeam could never have gone home again, but would have wandered about, becoming pale. But some time before the sun had gone, when it was still shining in a glorious bed of red and gold, the nightingale arose and began to sing 
loud and clear. Oh, is it you at last? said the sunbeam. How I have waited for you. Tell me quickly about this moonbeam of whom they're all talking. What should I tell you of her? sang the nightingale. She is more beautiful than the rose. She is the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. Her hair is silver, and the light of her eyes is far more lovely than yours. But why should you want to know about her? You belong to the sun and hate moonbeams. I do not hate them, said the sunbeam. What are they like? Show this one to me some night, dear nightingale. I cannot show her to you now, answered the nightingale, for she will not come out till long after the sun has set. But wait a few days, and when the moon is full, she will come a little before the sun sets. And if you hide beneath a leaf, you may look at her. But you must promise not to shine on her, or you might hurt her or break her ladder. I will promise, said the sunbeam. And every day he came back to the same tree at sunset to talk to the nightingale about the moonbeam till the bullfinch was quite angry. Tonight I shall see her at last, he said to himself, for the moon was almost full and would rise before the sun had set. He hid in the oak leaves, trembling with expectation. She's coming, said the nightingale, and the sunbeam peeped out from the branches and watched. In a minute or two, a tiny silver ladder like a thread, was placed among the leaves near the nightingale's nest, and down it came the moonbeam, and our little sunbeam looked out and saw her. She did not at all look as he had expected she would, but he agreed with the nightingale that she was the loveliest thing he had ever seen. She was all silver and pale greeny-blue. 
Her hair and eyes shone like stars. All the sunbeams looked bright and hot, but she looked as cool as the sea, yet she glittered like a diamond. The sunbeam gazed at her in surprise, unable to say a word, till all at once he saw that his little ladder was bending. The sun was sinking, and he had only just time to scramble back and draw his ladder after him. The moonbeam only saw his light vanishing and did not see him. To whom were you talking, dear Nightingale? She asked, putting her beautiful white arms round his neck and leaning her head on his chest to a sunbeam answered the nightingale. Ah, how beautiful he is. I was telling him about you. He longs to see you. I have never seen a sunbeam, said the moonbeam wistfully. I should like to see one so much. And all night long, she sat close beside the nightingale with her head leaning on his breast while he sang to her of the sunbeam. And his song was so loud and clear that it awoke the bullfinch who flew into a rage and declared that if it went on any longer, she would speak to the owl about it and have it stopped. For the owl was chief judge and always judged the little birds when they did not behave themselves. But... The nightingale never ceased, and the moonbeam listened till the tears rose in her eyes and her lips quivered. Tonight, then, I shall see him, whispered the moonbeam as she kissed the nightingale and bid him adieu. And tonight he will see you, said the nightingale, as he settled to rest among the leaves. All that next day was cloudy 
and the sun did not shine. But towards evening, the clouds passed away, and the sun came forth. No sooner had it appeared than the nightingale saw our sunbeam's ladder placed close to his nest, and in an instant, the sunbeam was beside him. Dear, dear nightingale, he said, you're right, she is more lovely than the dawn. I have thought of her all night and all day. Tell me, will she come again tonight? I'll wait to see her. Yes, she will come, and you may speak to her, but you must not touch her, said the nightingale. And then they were silent and waited. Underneath the oak tree, a large white stone lay. A common white stone. Neither beautiful nor useful. For it lay there where it had fallen. And bitterly lamented that it had no object in life. It never spoke to the birds, who scarcely knew it could speak. But sometimes, if the nightingale lighted upon it and touched it with his soft feathers, or the moonbeam shone upon it, it felt as if it would break with grief that it should be so useless. It watched the sunbeams and moonbeams come down on their ladders and wondered that none of the birds but the nightingale thought the moonbeam beautiful. That evening, as the sunbeam sat waiting, the stone watched it eagerly, and when the moonbeam placed her tiny ladder among the leaves and slid down it, it listened to all that was said. At first, the moonbeam did not speak, for she did not see the sunbeam. But she came close to the nightingale and kissed it as usual. Have you seen him again? She asked. And on hearing this, the sunbeam shot out from among the green leaves and stood before her.
For a few minutes, she was silent. Then she began to shiver and drew nearer to the nightingale. And if the sunbeam tried to approach her, she climbed up her ladder and went farther still. Do not be frightened, dearest moonbeam, cried he. I would not indeed do you any harm. You're so very lovely, and I love you. The moonbeam turned away. I do not want you to leave me, she said. For if you touch me, I shall vanish. It would have been much better for you not to have seen me. And now I cannot go back and be happy in the moon for I shall be always thinking of you. I do not care if I vanish or not, said the sunbeam. Now that I have seen you and see, if I vanish, for the sun is fast sinking and I shall not return to it, I shall stay with you. Go while you have time, cried the moonbeam. But even as she spoke, the sun sank beneath the horizon, and the tiny gold ladder of the sunbeam broke with a snap, and the two sides fell to earth and melted away. See, said the sunbeam, I cannot return now, neither do I wish it. I'll remain here with you until I vanish. No. No, cried the moonbeam. What shall I do? And look, there are clouds drifting near the moon. If one of them floats across my ladder, it will break it. But I cannot go and leave you here. she leaned across the leaves to where the sunbeam sat and looked into his eyes. But the nightingale saw that a tiny white cloud was sailing close by the moon. A little cloud, no bigger than a spot of white wool but quite big and strong enough to break the moonbeam's little ladder. Go, go at once. See, your ladder will break, 
he sang to her, but she did not notice him and sat watching the sunbeam. For a moment, the moon's light was obscured as the tiny cloud sailed past it. Then the little ladder of silver fell to earth, broken in two, but the moonbeam did not heed it. It does not matter, she said, for I should never have gone back and left you here now that I've seen you. So all night long, they sat together in the oak tree and the nightingale sang to them and the other birds grumbled that he kept them awake. But the two were very happy. Though the sunbeam knew he was growing paler every moment, for he could not live 24 hours away from the sun. When the dawn began to appear, the moonbeam trembled. The strong sun, she said, will cause me to disappear. But I fear something even worse than the sun. See how heavy the clouds are? Surely it is going to rain, which would not be good for either of us. Oh, where can we look for, for shelter, before it comes? The sunbeam looked up and saw that the rain was coming. Come, he said, let us go. And they wandered out into the forest and sought for a sheltering place. But every moment, they grew weaker. When they were gone, the stone looked up at the nightingale and said, Why did they go? I like to hear them talk, and they're so pretty. They can find no shelter out there. See, in my side there is a large hole where it is quite dark and into which no rain can come. Fly after them and tell them to come that I will shelter them. So the nightingale spread his wings and flew singing, come back, come back. The stone will shelter you. Come back at once before the rain falls. They had wandered out into an open field. But when she heard the nightingale, the moonbeam 
turned her head and said, Surely that is the nightingale singing. See, he's calling to us. Follow me, sang the bird, back at once to shelter in the stone. But the moonbeam tottered and fell. I've grown so weak and pale, she said. I can no longer move. Then the nightingale flew to earth. Climb upon my back, he said. I'll take you both back to the stone. So they both sat upon his back, and he flew with them to the large stone beneath the tree. Go in, he said, stopping in front of the hole, and both passed into the hole and nestled in the darkness within the stone. Then the rain began. All day long it rained, and the nightingale sat in his nest, half asleep. But when the moon rose, after the sun had set, the clouds cleared away, and the air was again full of tiny silver ladders down which the moonbeams came. But the nightingale looked in vain for his own particular moonbeam. He knew she could not shine on him again. Therefore he mourned and sang a sorrowful song. Then he flew down to the stone and sang a song at the mouth of the hole, but there came no answer. So he looked down the hole into the stone, but there was no trace of the sunbeam or the moonbeam. Only one shining spot of light where they had rested. They could not live away from the sun and the moon, he said. Still, I wish I had never told the sunbeam of her beauty. Then she would be here now. When the bullfinch heard of it, she was quite pleased. Well, at least we'll hear the end of the moonbeam. I was growing tired of hearing about her. How much they must have loved each other, said the dove. I'm glad they got to be together and she cooed sadly.
but through the stone wherein the beams had sheltered, shot up bright, beautiful rays of light, silver and gold. They colored it all over with every color of the rainbow. And when the sun or moon warmed it with their light, it became quite brilliant. So that the stone from being the ugliest thing in the whole forest became the most beautiful. Men found it and called it the opal. But the nightingale knew that it was the sunbeam and Moonbeam, who had suffused the stone with their mingled colors and light. And the nightingale will never forget them. For every night, he sings their story. In sapphire, emerald, amethyst, sparkles the sea by the morning kissed, and the mist from the far off valleys lie, gleaming like pearl. In the tender sky, soft shapes of cloud that melt and drift with tints of opal that glow and shift.